I mean, it was a pretty big shock and something they didn't initially understand. My mom cried because she had all these cookbooks and she didn't know who she was going to give them to. And they were worried about um, my future children and that I would have to pack their lunch to school every day so they would have something to eat. And for me, it was so early on that I didn't know how to comfort them. You know, I hadn't been vegan long. I didn't know what to tell them or how to tell them it was going to be okay. So it was a process for us all. Um, But, you know, fast forward 10 years, pretty much all of our family dinners are vegan. My mom loves cooking vegan meals with me. My brothers really love the food, which, you know, so I feel if I can impress this really Southern country family with the food that we're doing something right. That was Christina Addington of Vigrits, a fully vegan meal delivery service, food truck, and soon-to-be cafe in the heart of Louisville, Kentucky. And this is the Yogi Triathlete Podcast. Welcome back to the YTP. I'm your host. My name is Jess, and we, my coach, sole partner, and co-host BJ, bring you stories of people looking, finding, and living their purpose It is our intention to spark curiosity and to bring out your inner seeker so that you, we, us may all find purpose in every moment, task, and breath in this life that we're living on this earth. To quote one of our greats, Paramahansa Yogananda, there is no time to waste. We are still working on producing the interviews we captured during our 7,000-mile cross-country trek of 2016 known as the Ride the High Vibe Tour, a journey that came to me in a meditation and ignited us to rid ourselves of our material possessions and hit the road with the mission to raise awareness that living a more vibrant life is within reach for all. Today's guest is one of those curiosity sparkers and heart-following risk-takers that we were connected with on our trip, and we knew immediately that she had a story that needed to be shared on a larger scale. This is the story of a vegan girl raised in the South with a family who was literally raised in the hollers of Appalachia, not likely a comfortable setting for a vegan. But over time and through a series of perfectly timed events that required Christina to stand up to her fears, she has been able to merge her love for animals and good old Southern food through the manifestation of vegrets. Her compassionate nature doesn't just end with the animals. It's so obvious through our conversation that Christina is in this for the good of all. Some of the changes she made were big and sudden and some very small, but they all add up to where she is today and prepares her for where she is going. This is the concept that we hear over and over again in our conversations with guests. Making change in life is so unique to each one of us, and although it may not always be comfortable, change is available to each one of us. Change of physicality, change of mindset, they don't have to be massive or expensive, and they can even be found in food deserts like Louisville's Portland District, where Christina and Vigrets are in the process of setting up a brick-and-mortar vegan cafe to provide food that soothes the soul. For those finger-licking comfort food lovers, look no further. Vigrets is committed to serving up southern fried compassion with items like their pizza burger, complete with their own nut-based mozzarella, 
brats with house chili and sour cream, and good old mac and cheese, all vegan, of course. Now, obviously, this is not a bowl of kale with steamed veggies, but what it is is a wide-open access point for people to eat vegan, save the lives of millions of animals, and contribute to the health of the planet while not sacrificing one darn thing. For those who are looking to take a few off the waistline, they'll be pleased to know that there are plans for some lighter fare on the upcoming cafe menu, but Christina knows that keeping those Louisville favorites on the menu is key to serving the greater purpose. This is a great conversation, and we hope you enjoy it. Listen closely to the parts that resonate with you the most. Those are signs. Follow them, even in the smallest of ways today. Thank you for choosing to listen in each week and to everyone who's used the Amazon banner ad. The link is in the show notes and on the homepage of yogitriathlete.com. We know the stories from this show are having positive impacts on your life. We know because you're emailing us with your stories and the magnificent changes that you're making. It is so incredible. You have no idea how much your words fill our hearts. Thank you. And if it speaks to you, please become a patron of the show. Our Patreon page is up and your support is everything to keeping this show alive. So now, speaking of feeling alive, there's no better way to do that than to live purpose. Even in the most mundane of acts, those can be filled with purpose and joy. So why not take that mindset into our chat with Christina, the original vegan temptress? part of Louisville is considered an ultimate food desert. Like there is nothing around here but really terrible stuff. What's considered the Portland neighborhood is where our building is. We're actually, there's gonna be a neighborhood festival on Saturday. It's a little more up and coming and the city has started pushing to kind of get people, because mm-hmm. this is, it's considered the West End. It's considered like the dangerous part of Louisville. So they're trying to do a lot more out here to bring like local healthy food to this part of town. So we're excited to kind of be a part of that and hopefully I want to do um, a pay it forward option at the cafe where people can pay so there'll be vouchers on the wall for people who come in that either can't afford it or you know need some help they can just take a voucher so they can get the meal still oh my god that's amazing is that going to be at your new at the new Definitely. cafe all mm-hmm. right so we're rolling and um, <laughs> you've already dove in with something really cool so tell us about the new cafe. Where's it going to be? Because it seems like it's the next logical step. Yeah, it is. So our new cafe, it's in the Portland neighborhood of Louisville, which is, it's 15th and Portland Avenue. It's an older building that's been around for a long time. So we got to do a lot of work on it. It's going to be a production facility for our product line. We do vegan cheeses. And then we're going to use the front of the building to do a little Southern style healthy cafe. Say a little bit more about the vouchers and kind of where the inspiration was behind that. Yeah, I've always wanted to do some sort of pay it forward option. My business partner says if it weren't for him, we would make zero money because I would just give everything away. (laughs) I know how that is. (laughs) But what we want to do, we'll have regular prices for the meals. So people that can't afford it can pay that. And if they can pay extra, all of the extra will go towards vouchers. So when you come into the cafe, there'll be a wall with little coupons for 5 or $10. So if you can't afford a meal, you can just take one of those coupons off the wall and, and still get something good to eat. 
my God, that's awesome. <laughs> um, so you said you have a line of vegan cheeses. What's in that line right now? We have three, a mild cheddar sauce, a mozzarella sauce, and a pimento cheese spread. So it started, one of the most popular items on the food truck was our mac and cheese, and people just wanted to buy the cheese that we were using directly, so we decided to turn it into a product line. So the mild cheddar makes an amazing mac and cheese, um, the mozzarella is very versatile, and then being a southern company, we really wanted to do a pimento cheese spread too. So what's the base, what's the base of all these cheese for those there, out there that mm-hmm. aren't? you know, familiar with vegan-based cheese. Sure, they're cashew-based. So when you soak cashews and you cream them, they're fatty and cheesy, and you get that texture that you want. And we actually had some cheese, I believe, when we visited your, your food truck oh, yeah. uh, last week or two weekends ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we went to the Pity Fair and met up with you guys, and we had your, was it a pizza burger? Yes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so pizza burger, and it had the mozzarella on there, and then we had a brat that had, like, Sour cream oh, yeah. and our chili, I think, was on yeah, there. Yeah, some mm-hmm. chili on there. And that's definitely, we were like, okay, this is comfort <laughs> food. And I love your tagline, Southern Fried Compassion. Yes. We, being in Kentucky, a lot of our customers aren't even vegan. You know, we've got to appeal to people that grew up eating just the fattiest, most unhealthy stuff you can imagine. So we want to give them that comfort food feeling where it's still really flavorful and it fills you up and, you know, sticks to your ribs, so to speak. When we were at the fair the other day, I was telling BJ that uh, we sat down and we were eating and I could hear people that were eating your food and this one guy who's like, you know, all tatted up and he's got like a bandana <laughs> on his head and he's like, you know, just like Louisville, Kentucky and he's like, no, you got to taste this. It tastes exactly like, you know, and so he was like <laughs> calling people over to take a bite of his oh, food. Oh, that's great. And just to see that, to see that you guys have opened up an access point for people to you know, be willing to try it. And I don't mm-hmm. even think that they realize that there needs to be a willingness there because I think that your food hits their taste buds in such a way that it doesn't even feel like it's a sacrifice. So what's some of the feedback you're getting from those types of people who may are not, you know, maybe are not plant-based, but they're trying it and they just, they can't believe it. Yeah. Everyone is, they're surprised when they taste it. You know, the best compliment we get is, oh, I would never know this wasn't dairy cheese or this tastes like a, you know, a burger that I grew up eating or, you know, so, I mean, that's the goal is for people to not feel like they're substituting or not feel like they're missing out on flavors. And I think that's important around here when you have such a, um, a tradition of Mm -hmm. Southern food and rich foods and it really is, um, requires like a change of the microbiology in the gut to start developing a taste for, you know, kale chips (laughs) or, um, you know, even just something simple like rice and beans with some salsa on it, you Mm -hmm. know, that might taste really plain or, or bland to somebody who's used to these rich Southern foods. So where did V-Grits come from? Well, V-Grits is an acronym. It stands for Vegan Girl Raised in the South. And we do grits, cheesy grits on the food truck sometimes and Southern style food. But it was just a concept I kind of had in the back of my mind for years. I grew up with a really Southern family eating all that unhealthy stuff, biscuits and gravy, lasagna, just really heavy, flavorful stuff. Um, So I switched to a vegan diet about 10 years ago, and I wanted to 
not only enjoy the flavors that I was used to, but I wanted to show my family and my friends that they could too. Because that was what I kept hearing most often. Oh, you'll miss out on all this great food. Why are you doing this? So I, I made it a goal to figure out how to replicate those flavors, but using most much healthier ingredients. And what brought you to becoming, for dropping the animal products and becoming fully vegan? Like what was, tell us in just detail what mm-hmm. that process was like for you. It, it sort of came out of nowhere. Um, I wasn't really exposed to, I didn't know anyone that was vegetarian, especially vegan growing up. None of my friends or family. Um, I didn't, I didn't really learn about the food system and where our food came from until as an adult in my early 20s, I just stumbled upon it online one day. Um, I ended up on an, an animal welfare organization's website, and I watched some of the undercover videos about mm-hmm. factory farms and slaughterhouses, and it, it was shocking to me. You know, it, I, I feel like it shouldn't be. You know, we should think about where our food comes from and what happens to it, but if we're not exposed to it, we don't. So once I really started reading about it, I just immediately knew I didn't agree with any of it. So I switched my diet pretty much overnight, uh, stopped eating meat completely and stopped eating dairy within a month. And I was immediately advocating for animal welfare and and climate change and health and all the the things associated with a vegan diet. So in those moments where you stumbled upon this website and you're watching these videos, Mm -hmm. like what you experienced that day is what a lot of people will stay in denial before they experience is, you know, the pain of what's going on with those animals. And so how did you, do you still remember what that felt like? I do. I mean, it, it really hit me like a ton of bricks. It was an awakening moment for me, just the realization that, you know, maybe deep down I had known this, but had never really thought about it. I mean, it, it, it was an, an emotional experience for sure. And are there still some images from those videos that you saw that stay with you? That there you are. Remember? There mm-hmm. are. Um, I became so passionate about, you know, the vegan movement and talking to other people about it that I worked for an animal rights organization for years as a campaign organizer. So I was constantly talking to people about this. So I had to watch the video, the videos, the new ones that would come out so I could, you know, show people what was going on. And hopefully have a positive effect. So there are a lot of images that still stick with me for sure. Do you feel like there's a part of you who that had to kind of harden up to even be able to watch those? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's okay though. I mean, once you are really aware of what's going on and you change your lifestyle, I mean, you kind of have to in some ways to be able to keep going. Yeah. I, I mean, and this is what's happening with the slaughterhouse workers. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the rates of um, you know domestic abuse and alcoholism and drugs and you know there's just they have to be so hardened by not only what they're watching but what they're actually doing. I can't even imagine the images that stay with them. But there is a part of us if we are going to have a voice for these animals that we do. We do need to see what's going on. And I know for mm-hmm. me, the, the things that I have watched, there's just some images that, you know, when I see pork, like I have a very specific image from a movie that comes up in my mind. And, and it just, it saddens me, you know, when I see um, somebody eating an ice cream cone, I think about 
the pain of the mother when the baby was taken from her. Like, the, I mean, yeah, it's absolutely. so deep-seated. I don't even see, like, oh, that's unhealthy. It's ice cream, you know? Right. I just, I see, I see and I feel this internalized pain of mm-hmm. the baby being stolen from the mother. And then what's so ironic and what's just so curious to me about the way that we live and the way that we're blinded in this country from what is happening is that you see moms feeding this now dairy right. to their children. Uh, yeah, I feel the same way. It's it's hard to understand how people can shut that out and and not want to know, you know, where that dairy comes from or where that chicken nugget comes from and what it means. And not only are they shutting out themselves or shutting it off so they don't have to think about it, but they're giving it to their children and, and encouraging that same sort of pulling the wool over your eyes, so yeah. to speak. And I think in order, because I do believe that we are, we are, we are humane humans. We mm-hmm. are compassion at our core. And so for us to be able to lift the veil and feel it, we really have to internalize a lot of pain. And when you think how much numbing out is going on anyway in our society, you know, in order to feel the pain of what's happening with these beings that don't have voices, it's going to open up the pain of what a lot, um, a lot of different things that people aren't necessarily dealing with. So I think as you know, leaders, right? Like we're mm-hmm. actually still leaders in this in this movement. It's growing right. so fast. And when I look at people like John Joseph, who we were just talking about, he's been vegan for, you know, thirty five years and and going strong. I mean, those are the true pioneers, but we're still leaders in this. And I think what's really important is that we show um, everyone the compassion that we're showing the animals, you know, and, and that there is no wrong place to be. Right. If you just fed your child an ice cream cone and now you're listening to this, it's okay. Like, we it's don't okay. mean to offend you. Yeah, it's not about it's it's about bringing you bringing you in, right? Like being in the awareness of what this message is, and mm-hmm. and and maybe that's unexpected for some people, like it was for you, and it changed your life. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Um, I made it my personal mission after really becoming aware and awakened to where our food comes from to learn how to talk to other people about it. And now it's, it's the same thing with our business. We're constantly having the conversation of how do we get people this information in a way that they will be willing to listen. And so bringing, bringing awareness through the, the animal rights mm-hmm. position you had and now bringing awareness through Vigrets and your own business, how do you feel the perception has been? Do you feel... Do you feel like it's like you're able to connect with people and have that entry part, um, showing them the videos? Right. I'm sure there's some some (laughs) feeling towards that, but also now you're able to do it through your company. So what have you learned through those? So much. When I started out, um, just on the streets doing demonstrations and protest, that was very beneficial because I learned how to talk to people. Everybody's different, and they're going to take information differently. There's going to be different things that they'll listen to and they might close off to. Um, So I think it's important, like you were saying, that to be compassionate towards everyone, no matter where they are in their journey, you know, find a common place. There's going to be something that you um, share. There's going to be life experiences that you share, similarities. So really get on somebody's level and understand where they're coming from so that they see you as a trusted source and hopefully your your positive example can have an impact on them. And that's sort of um, what you're working with with the home delivery yeah. um, food kits because mm-hmm. that seems like 
seems like an entryway that you can help them understand that they can cook and they can do this at home. They don't always have to go out to eat and you don't have to go get a salad at a restaurant. So you're helping them with the tools, right? Yes. So when we started the food truck, we knew eventually we would do something bigger to have a more widespread impact. Um, And we really just listened to our customers to see what that was. We had people coming to the truck saying that they loved our food, but they didn't know how to cook vegan meals at home. So we thought, okay, well, how can we help people learn how to cook this way when they're at home? So we started the meal service, which is our recipes and all the ingredients to make the food. And we do focus on education. We keep it easy. We keep it ingredients that they can go to their local grocery store and recreate again. It's so important to keep it easy. I'm... um I'm starting to have a very low tolerance for cookbooks that are coming out and they're saying, oh, they're such easy recipes and they're quick. And, and then you look at it and you're like, uh, it's I don't even take know. It's going to take two hours. Yeah, it's going to take two hours. <laughs> and I have never heard of that ingredient. Mm-hmm. I mean, this happens to me. And, and um, Or like I'm like, oh, okay, I have to get this certain honey for this. Okay, well, I'll go get the certain honey. And then I go and it's like $39 oh, for goodness. this honey. <laughs> so, I mean, this has happened with some really popular cookbooks that are out there. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, the other night, BJ's getting ready for Iron Man, and the other night, I made the most simple meal that was absolutely delicious. It was, it was just quinoa, and I mixed in towards the end, right before it was finished cooking, but it was still moist in there. I threw some flax meal in there, because I was thinking, okay, some good omega-3s. Yeah. Nutritional yeast, which is mm-hmm. like cheese in a jam, right? <laughs> like, if you need some cheesiness, you just throw a little bit of that in there. Yep. Some salt, a little olive oil, and then threw some lentils on top and then did up some crispy kale with like more nutritional yeast and some olive oil. So it was like kale potato chips Mm -hmm. and just threw it all in a bowl. And it's like, my God, he's, he's banging on the iron and the protein and the omegas and good fats and the phytonutrients from the kale. And that was a three main ingredient dish, which took the length of time that it took for the lentils and quinoa to cook, which was essentially 15 minutes. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. To me, that seems like an easy meal. But some people might even say like flax meal. I don't even know where to get flax meal. (laughs) And you were mentioning like where we are here is like a food desert. It is. Absolutely. For sure. So people with businesses like yours, I love this whole idea of, of a voucher system. But are you doing anything now with the home delivery meals to help reach this population that you know, maybe don't, don't even have a computer at home to, you know, get online and order the meals or, you know, mm-hmm. have any idea what flax meal is. Well, <laughs> you know, it's a, it's, this is a very true thing. That's something we've tried through the meal service. We send little sample sizes of all those ingredients because there's a lot of people that have never cooked with quinoa or couscous mm-hmm. or things that we probably consider main parts of our diet. Um, and spices too. Like if you see a recipe that calls for a spice and you don't have it, that's going to be $8 for a jar of something that you may never use again. So we make an effort to send really unique ingredients, but just sample sizes so that they get to try it and see if they like it and also learn how to cook with it. So then they do get to decide if it's worth it to go buy a big container of it and feel more comfortable using it. So what's your most popular um, meal in the home deliveries? Oh, gosh. Um, we hear a lot. The, our customers really like it when we send our cheeses. So if we want to give a meal a you know cheesy component, we'll just send a little sample size of our, our cashew-based cheeses. And they really love that because it, it makes you feel like you're getting something that you probably love to eat growing up. 
I think cheese for a lot of people is the last thing to go. Mm -hmm. I knew it was for me. I was a vegetarian for most of my life. And I remember people telling me like, well, you know, you're vegetarian. You've been vegetarian for so long. Like, have you thought about trying, you know, going vegan? And I was, I had no, I was like, save it, Mm -hmm. save your whole vegan story because I don't want to hear it. Right. I am so not interested in giving up cheese. And I think that what's happening now with the cheeses is just amazing. It's amazing. And what you guys are doing, your cheeses are wonderful. We interviewed a woman in Brooklyn who just opened um, um, a cheese shop Uh and um, absolutely delicious cheeses. But I also need to remind myself that they, you know, they're not, it's not like eating a salad. Like they're not a low calorie (laughs) item, but they are something that is being so well done now Mm -hmm. and um, can definitely give that added feeling of no sacrifice with a meal. Right, exactly. I think it's important to give people the tools that they need to choose a vegan lifestyle for the right reasons. And, you know, if they're not going to miss out on anything, I mean, we have so many vegan cheeses now that taste just like dairy, the texture and the taste. And I mean, you could create pretty much any meal that you loved that wasn't vegan with different ingredients. And it's going to be so much healthier for you and better for the animals. And it's important that we continue to develop those foods so that people, it's easier for them to, to switch to a vegan lifestyle. And speaking of cheese, you just got back from a big event this past weekend, we Chicago did. Vegan Mania. Chicago Vegan Mania. We didn't know that was only five hours away. We could have gone to <laughs> Vegan Mania. It was so much fun. Um, there was a ton of vendors, food, speakers, panels. Um, so we went to, to kind of officially launch our cheeses. We'd been selling them in Louisville on a small scale for a little while this year. And, and we got such a great response that we thought, okay, we're ready to take this you know, outside the state. So we got new labels and new branding, and we took them to Chicago, and, and it was a hit. We sold a lot of cheese. That's <laughs> so. awesome. Watch out, world. Mm-hmm. Vigert's cheese is on the market. <laughs> I'm so excited. So tell us about some of the people that you met or some, did you go to any of the speakers? We did. We went to, um, one of the panels about running a, a vegan business and the owners of Upton's Naturals, um, were on the panel and for my business partner, Jeff and myself, that was very beneficial for us to hear how they got started, um, basically delivering their seitan to Whole Foods in a cooler in their car mm-hmm. to get into wholesale and you know how they lived with maybe without a paycheck for the first few years and the same experiences that we're dealing with now and going through and all the you know the potholes and the troubles that we're that we're trying to figure out how to navigate that other companies have had those similar experiences is whole foods is is that uh, a vision of yours is it to get into a bigger chain yeah absolutely Mm -hmm. we're gonna reach out to whole foods first and then we also have a lot of really neat local natural food stores too yeah imagine right now your your distribution is probably farmers markets and Mm -hmm. and just local stores that you can get into and your food truck and you only have one food truck right just the one okay which is a really cool food (laughs) truck if you look at our twitter feed we posted a photo bright orange (laughs) super cool can't miss it (laughs) so how did the food truck come about like how do you even start a food truck business um, well, I, when I left the animal welfare organization I was working for, that was a job that I loved, but I was also cooking part-time, teaching people how to cook vegan meals. 
And it got to a point where I had to make the decision what I was going to do full time. Oh, we love this. This is the tipping point. This is what people want to know. Mm -hmm. Why did you feel compelled that this was the time? Like that, this is the moment. Like, why can't you just continue to help people cook vegan? Like, what is that moment? Yeah, like like? you couldn't, did you feel that like I could just stay here and stay comfortable and do this? Oh, absolutely. I had a regular paycheck. I could pay my bills and I was about to make the plunge into just working for myself and figuring it out on my own. But I knew that if I could show people how delicious vegan food could be, it was going to have a big impact. Um, So I decided to just take a leap of faith and and leave a regular paycheck to kind of figure it out on my own. So at this point, I was wholesaling some vegan baked goods. I was specializing in gluten-free stuff, dabbling in a little bit of everything and thinking about opening my own place and what I wanted to do. So I had applied for a show on the Food Network and thinking they would never call me, of course, and they ended up calling me the next day and asked me to come be on the show. Um, So it was very quick. It was Cutthroat Kitchen, and I was the first vegan chef to be on the show, and um, my competitors were definitely not vegan. (laughs) So I went out to Burbank, and um, we filmed the competition, And it it was three parts, three different meals, and I did it all vegan, of course. And um, the cool thing was it was a blind taste test. So the judge didn't necessarily know that I was a vegan chef or that I wasn't using meat and dairy. Um, I just ended up winning on taste alone. So I got to use the prize money to start the food truck, and it's really helped the business become what it is today. That's so cool. (laughs) I just, I want to remind everyone that like anything is possible. And I love that story. And it reminds me of the story of Candle 79, which is a very famous restaurant in Mm -hmm. New York City. And we went to eat there when we were staying there. And I love their story because they, they started out smaller and people wanted more and they wanted them to open a restaurant. And they were like, where are we going to get the money to open the right. restaurant? And so forgive me, Kendall 79, if I'm not telling this correct, but I think the meat <laughs> of the story is, is right. And they literally went and got a scratch ticket and won $53,000 on a scratch ticket. We're like, okay, we're going to open the restaurant. And so this is how it happens. And without Mm -hmm. your bravery to take the step, right? And was that, when you made that step to do something bigger, Mm -hmm. um, was there fear? Oh my goodness. So (laughs) much fear. Well, just going on the show, first of all, the night before... Um, we filmed, I was in my hotel room alone and it was the scariest moment. I was just paralyzed with fear thinking I'm going to go on the show and I'm representing vegan cooking. Like what if I just crash and burn and I just make something terrible and I get kicked off? I mean, it was terrifying, but you know, you've got to take chances like that. And the same thing with the food truck. Um, I used the money to buy the truck, and we still needed some help with the equipment, so we did a Kickstarter, um, and we everybody jumped on board to help us, so we got that started. And then again, at the launch party for the food truck, um, not really knowing what to expect, we it ended up being the coldest day of the year in Louisville <laughs> last year in 2015. Um, below zero outside. It was just ridiculous. So much so that we had to move it indoors to a local um, cafe that let us just take over their kitchen because we'd had this launch party planned. 
So it was just my business partner and I, and he'd never been in the food business whatsoever. <laughs> He's a software guy, um, but he jumped on board to help. So we're about to open, and all of a sudden there's 30 people in line. And this is our first event ever. And we both looked at each other, just scared to death again. And I thought, well, I could either run out of here and pretend none of this ever happened and maybe move to a different state (laughs) or just go for it. So we did and faced the fear and got through it. And, you know, it's been worth it every step of the way. I mean, you've got to just, if you're really passionate about something and there's something you want to do with your life, you just go for it. When you made that decision, you had that money and mm-hmm. you, you put it towards a food truck. Right. Why, why the truck versus a small cafe space like a brick yeah. and mortar? I store? thought about doing a cafe too, but I had a connection that had the food truck or what we were going to turn into the food truck. And once I took a look at it, I just knew. It wasn't really something I was planning on doing. I didn't think that I would ever want to start a food truck. But when I saw it, it was just a feeling I had. I could see the potential for it and, and what it could mean for Louisville. So, yeah, that was the path we chose. I, I really love this story because it's so, <laughs> it's so aligned with what we, what we talk about a lot, which is you can't, you can't plan everything. Like a plan oh, is no. great and you can have it in place, but you got to go through the process because you just never know Mm -hmm. what's going to happen. You know, a a mobile food truck versus uh, a store. We're here in Louisville. Yeah. And we didn't think we would be here. We thought we would be, you know, further south. I think we'd be in Louisiana or something at this point. Yeah, I didn't think I ever, I mean, no offense to Louisville. It's a beautiful place and I love it. And and I (laughs) love that I get to sit across from you right now and have this exchange. But I never thought I was going to spend three weeks in Louisville. Oh, sure. Are we saying it right? Louisville? I'm doing the best I can. Louisville. You got to say it. Almost a little bit lazy, like Louisville. Oh, Louisville. <laughs> Leave out some Yeah, syllables. yeah, like kind of like I'm kind of like having a stroke as I'm saying it. Okay. Exactly. But I mean, I never thought I would spend three weeks here. And I was mm-hmm. talking to you um, about that before we threw the mics on. And it's, it's so important to keep vision alive, you mm-hmm. know, um, and understand that, you know, the things that have to get done in the world. But also keeping a bigger space available for, you know, uncertainty and what lies in there. Oh yeah. Staying open-minded. It's, it's such a big thing. And, and what I love about your story so much is that what we've experienced on this trip is that you don't need 10 different, you don't always need 10 different choices to Mm -hmm. sit down and analyze and make a pro con list about. Sometimes it's just like, there's one food truck and that makes sense. Right. Right. There was one show and you put the application in, they called you the next day. Like this is what mm-hmm. we talk about. Like this is life in flow. And so you have to go with that. And so there might be paralyzing fear along the way. <laughs> and, um, but just to stay with it, like stay with that voice inside right. that says you got to do this because there's a bigger picture. So what you are, uh, an example of is that you're not in this, you're, you're not sitting across to me saying, well, I started this food truck because I, I just knew I was going to make a lot of money, right? <laughs> no. You were saying, how could I get a bigger voice for these animals? Mm-hmm, exactly. How can I speak for them in a way where people are going to listen and people in my hometown are going to listen when you knew very well what type of food is mainstream here? Right. And what you've done is you've brought a voice for the animals into the mainstream food system with no interruption 
into how these people are eating, right? really. Mm-hmm. You know, that it's been welcomed by the locals. Have you had any resistance? No, not really. And I, I did expect some of it. I thought people would walk by and look at our menu and just run the other way. And we haven't had that. Um, I think that's just because of the time that we're in. You know, when I went vegan 10 years ago, a lot of people, especially around here, didn't even know what that word meant. So it's been interesting to watch the progression and see how much more common it is and accepted. So I think, I mean, Louisville's a pretty big city, so people are familiar with vegan eating. So when they see it, you know, they're not necessarily too afraid to try it. And especially with us, if we get them up to the window, we'll give away samples for sure. And then they're going to love it and they're going to want more and hopefully eventually change their lifestyle. What about your friends and family? What, what's the perception there? You, they, are you the leader? <laughs> <laughs> they are very supportive, but it was not always that way. Oh my goodness. When I told my parents that I was going to stop eating meat and dairy, they did not know what to do. You would think I had just turned into an alien. <laughs> my, um, well, they, they grew up in southeastern Kentucky, um, literally, I say, in the hollers of Appalachia in like little coal mining towns and, you know, where everything, even the vegetables are fried in bacon fat. And that's just how you cook. That's the seasoning is bacon grease, right? So when I told them I was going to stop eating meat and stop eating meat and dairy, you know, it was a pretty big shock and something they didn't initially understand. My mom cried because she had all these cookbooks and she didn't know who she was going to give them to. And They were worried about um, my future children and that I would have to pack their lunch to school every day so they would have something to eat. And for me, it was so early on that I didn't know how to comfort them. You know, I hadn't been vegan long. I didn't know what to tell them or how to tell them it was going to be okay. So it was a process for us all. Um, But, you know, fast forward 10 years, Pretty much all of our family dinners are vegan. My mom loves cooking vegan meals with me. My brothers really love the food, which, you know, so I feel if I can impress this really southern country family with the food that we're doing something right. (laughs) So you said that you grew up on this, you know, real traditional southern Mm -hmm. cooking and you went vegan overnight. So. I'm going to make the assumption that you found yourself in a space that a lot of people do and a space that really prevents a lot of people from, from moving into a plant-based diet is that they don't know where to start. Oh, yeah. So how did you figure that out? Because it doesn't sound like you had a lot of resources. No. So how did you do that? Um, I still remember the first time I tasted soy milk standing in my mom's kitchen I can remember taking a drink of it and thinking, oh, what am I going to do? This is not good. But the truth is, for one thing, our taste buds, I really think they just become accustomed to what we eat. You know, the reason that you crave certain flavors is because that's what you've always had. That's what you're used to. So it was a struggle in the beginning. And, you know, even going to Whole Foods, there was maybe one brand of vegan cheese. There was a couple different veggie burgers. There just wasn't a lot of stuff back then. Um, But I did have a passion for cooking, so it it gave me a reason to try. And I switched my lifestyle because I cared so much about the impact it would have on the animals, Um, not to mention, of course, our health and climate change and all of those factors. So even though I knew it was going to be a big challenge, it was something I was willing to do and willing to figure out. And I think that's how we need to go into it. You know, know that, yeah, it's going to be a little bit different than what you're used to, 
But a couple months in, it's going to become a new habit. You're going to start to love those flavors. Your taste buds are going to change. You're going to get the hang of cooking that way. You're going to get the hang of going out to eat and ordering different food, and you're going to love it just like you loved what you were doing before. And so did you take any classes or? Mm-hmm. I, I did. I, well, I had culinary classes. I had actually signed up for culinary school before I went vegan. Um, so going into it, they, and this was back when, again, in Kentucky, it, it, being vegan wasn't a really popular choice. Um, but my chef instructors were really open to it. And they would bring in like tofu and tempeh for me to cook with. So I did learn a lot of good skills. It got to a point where they couldn't really teach me the way that I wanted to cook. But I did. I had nutrition classes. I had food service, culinary math, a lot of things that really helped when I decided to do to go out and start my own business. This pattern keeps coming up in this discussion. You, you <laughs> seem very uh, resourceful. And mm-hmm. um, it doesn't seem like there's many walls that stop you you sort of figure out a way to get through. So has this been a continuing theme through your whole life? Is there some driving factor that that keeps you going and and seeking all possibilities? Yeah, absolutely. Um, Even before I went vegan, before I really started looking to where our food comes from, I I loved animals and I I thought, well, I always want to volunteer. Maybe I'll do something with the Humane Society. Um, So when I did find out, you know, where our food comes from and what it's like, in factory farms for those animals, that became my personal mission. And I I think it's important for us all to have one or have many. I mean, there's so much we can do with our lives that it's, it's important to make a positive difference. We all have so many resources that we can use. I mean, even if it's just our voice and talking to other people, you know, don't let the challenges or the walls that you're gonna run into change your mind. You just gotta push through them and get to the other side and, and, you know, leave leave a positive mark while you can. And the challenges are the opportunities to grow and mm-hmm. to grow into that big dream that you yeah, envision. Absolutely. Right? Like change and growth doesn't happen in that comfort zone. Right. It doesn't for sure. exactly where you are. And if that was the case, then, you know, this podcast would never um, have come to fruition and uh, I never would have become a yoga teacher. I certainly wouldn't have become a meditation teacher. Certainly mm-hmm. wouldn't have gotten rid of everything I owned right. once I was able to afford it and live comfortably. I certainly wouldn't have done any of that. Mm-hmm. But what I can tell you is from June 14th, from the time that we pulled out of our house until today, like the, the amount of growth and discomfort and challenge that we have experienced every single day, I know is um, prepping us to really fully step into that big dream and vision that is not fully clear, right? but it's there. Mm-hmm. And so do you have any advice for someone who's listening and says like, I don't even know what, like, what's my mission? I have no mission <laughs> because there's, we get that a lot. Like, I don't, I don't even know what, what I love or what my gift is, you know? Mm -hmm. And so now I'm just going to go back to my job every day that I don't really like. That's not fulfilling me. That's not filling my heart. Um, do you have any advice for where to start? Where to start finding that mission? Yeah. You don't have to have a big mission to dive into. I mean, think about what makes you happy. Maybe it's after a long work day, you make cookies or you make jewelry or you like art, you like to paint. I mean, you don't have to have some huge goal in mind or some huge business that you want to start. 
It's just something that makes you happy. Spend more time doing that. And, you know, see if there's a way that you can turn it into a lifestyle. I mean, it may seem out of reach right now when you're in a nine to five job and you've got a lot of bills to pay, but don't give up on something you love and something that can, you know, really make you happy. Yeah. And I want to add to that. If, if you are in a job that, you know, isn't filling your soul, you know, look at the situation you're in. So let's say you've got, you know, a pile of debt. Well, step number one, stop acquiring. Mm hmm right? That was our first step. Like, let's just stop acquiring. And that happened, I would say over 10 years ago, if not about 10 years ago, when I opened up a credit card bill and realized how long it was going to take me to pay it off, which essentially was never, I was never going to be able to pay it off. And so the first thing is just stop acquiring. And then just every month, do what you can to pay it down. Like it will happen. Mm -hmm. You know, I never thought we would be in a situation where we were debt free and now we are. And then of course the fear now is like, Oh my God, I don't want to get into debt, you know, (laughs) but maybe that's going to be required for us to fulfill our dream. I have no idea. I'm not going to go there, but it's, it's like, instead of just counting yourself out, Look at the small places where you can start because a little bit every day over a long period of time makes a huge, huge difference. And you never know. You might get on the Food Network and win a bunch of money and then you can just start your business or whatever it is that you want to do. It can happen, yeah. Don't give up on things just because the big picture is scary. Take the little steps and, and rejoice in the little victories. Yeah, because the scariness, I think, comes from the uncertainty because the uncertainty is because you don't know, Mm -hmm. right? We rely so heavily on our minds of what our minds know and, and the experiences that we've had in the past. And so if it's something that you have never done before and like, you know, I'm thinking right now about the people who are getting ready to come here for Iron Man on Sunday. Oh, are yeah. you going to be at Iron Man? You should be at Iron Man. Oh, we're not. <laughs> we'll be really rooting you guys on for oh, sure. Oh, man, you need that truck parked right in the middle <laughs> of the village. We will have the truck out the day before. Um, there's oh. a, a neighborhood festival where our new building is going to be, so we're going to park our truck out there as a way to introduce our customers to our new neighborhood. Oh, cool. Awesome. <laughs> well, maybe we'll catch you there. But um, like I'm thinking about those people who are coming into town and I'm mm-hmm. thinking about all the uncertainty because they've never done an Ironman before. And that's because you've just never done it before. It doesn't mean it's impossible. So right. just never, ever give up on that, on whatever it is that you love. Even if your mind is telling you, that's stupid. I mm-hmm. could never do it. Because I can tell you that probably some of the biggest names that we know who, you know, are mentors and, you know, heroes in the industry, they may have had that same thought at some point, like, oh, this is never going to fly. I yeah. can't, you know, I mean, Absolutely. we um, interviewed Gene Bauer from Farm Sanctuary. Do you know Farm Sanctuary? Oh, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, he, the, what he has created, he, that was never <laughs> on the plan, you right. know, but it just, it takes on a life of its own. And when mm-hmm. we live in alignment with our purpose, we live in a slipstream of flow where the abundance of whatever it is that we need comes to us so that we can fulfill our purpose. Mm-hmm. Right? That's why we're here. This is what the universe wants us to do is to live the purpose that we came here for. So of course, if we're on that path, it will come. I believe in that too. So the food truck is young. It is. We've Let's get only back had to that. it. Um, it's just been about a year and a half. Well, going on two years. We did full time in the food truck the first year, 
And um, it was so successful that we launched the meal service and we do that weekly. And now we're launching a product line. So the food truck we still have, it's a little bit on the back burner because of the other businesses. Um, We're just in a position where we're listening to our customers and we're listening to how we can have the biggest impact. And that's how we're choosing our path. So right now we, we needed a facility for our products. So we found a place and it had the perfect spot to open up a little cafe in the front. So again, right now it, the building needs so much work and it's hard to envision what it's going to be like when it's finished. And it's hard to see ourselves cooking out of this cafe that's not there yet. But, you know, we all believe in it. So we're going to keep working towards it. So hopefully, if you guys are back in town next year, we'll have a cafe open. And what's the um, what's the vision for the menu, though? Is it still going to be the kind of the Southern Fried Compassion? The, a little um, bit, yeah. Comfort um, foods? We definitely want to stick to that, especially because we're in Kentucky. And, you know, we all kind of grew up eating those foods. And that's what people around here love. And it's also something that you don't see a lot um, with vegan food. You don't see that... We call it healthy junk food. Um, (laughs) But the good thing with the cafe is we'll be able to have a much bigger menu than on the food truck. So we'll definitely do some lighter options. A lot of gluten-free, soy-free, allergen-friendly, really flavorful stuff that's maybe not as heavy as our food truck menu. Have any of your customers shared any transformation stories with you? Have they gone vegan because of they because yes. of you guys that they were introduced to it? Yeah, absolutely. We actually have um, quite a few people we've become friends with because they were customers at the food truck. Um, even in just the last couple of weeks, a couple of different people, guys, have told us that they've stopped eating meat and that we had a lot to do with that. Oh, my God. That's, and that's so amazing. the most rewarding thing. That's why we do what we do. And has anybody reported any changes in their health? Oh, yeah, of course. We hear that all the time. I mean, it, it makes sense for us. We know the, the spiel, right? I mean, you just feel so much better. But it's cool when other people experience it and, and they get to report back and they get excited about it, too. So they're just, I mean, essentially they're they're switching from, um, you know, southern southern food to <laughs> southern fried compassion right? right so it's not a huge they're not making a huge shift but they're eliminating the animal products yes. and that alone is making such a difference in their health and their wellness and the way that they live mm-hmm. absolutely yeah it's magnificent i just think it's it's so impressive to see the male side of things like you mentioned guys like that's such a mm-hmm. a masculine thing is to eat the the meat and the flesh and and to see people oh i don't think so Um, (laughs) but I've always been siding with women for years now. Um, but it's just so good to see that because it it really is not an attack on your, yourself as a being. Like it's just, it's just showing that you have, uh, more compassion and a greater understanding of where this food comes from. And things have changed since we were to kill animals and, Mm -hmm. and that was what we had to do, but now we don't have to. So I love to hear stories about men. Uh, yeah, I do too. When we were in Chicago, um, David Carter, we didn't get to listen to it because we had to stay at our table selling the cheeses, but he did a, a talk on masculinity and veganism. Um, he said it was the first time he got to do it, even though he gets asked about it all the time. You know, he's he's a big guy. So to know that if he can be vegan, then there, nobody has an excuse. And he's the 300-pound vegan. He's the 300-pound vegan. He played in the NFL. I don't know if he's playing right now, 
but it, his uh, his campaign has just been growing tremendously, and he's, he's doing great things. Yeah, he's yeah. getting out there. His voice is is definitely being heard. I mean, there's there's so many people out there just breaking the paradigm. I mean, does the paradigm even exist anymore? I mean, do people really still believe that you can't make it on a plant-based diet? I don't know. I, I'm going to be an optimist and say no, mm-hmm. that the door is wide open for anyone <laughs> to walk in. When I look at you know what BJ and I have done with Iron Man, mm-hmm. um, just the recovery in our bodies, you know, people like Rich Roll, John Joseph, Brendan Brazier, David Carter, you know, these... Um, ultimate fighters. I mean, yeah. uh, they are unbelievable. What's up? Mac Danzig. Yes. Mac oh, yeah. Danzig. Have you ever mm-hmm. seen him? Yes. That guy, I, <laughs> I challenge anyone to, um, walk up to him and, and, <laughs> and challenge his masculinity. Ask where he gets his protein. Bro. Yeah. Ask where he gets his protein. <laughs> um, so what's next? I mean, I know the cafe, cafe, but mm-hmm. do you even feel like there's something bigger beyond that? You know, honestly, I'm sure there is. <laughs> We're, we just have to stay open to it. And yes. like you said, don't plan too far ahead. I mean, it's important to have a, a vision and know where you want to go. Um, but we're staying open-minded and we're going to listen to our customers and just listen to what people need to make them feel good about going vegan and eating that way. And we want to be a resource that offers people all the different things they need to make it easy for them. And will you be selling the cheeses online? Definitely. We should have the online store up um, by the end of this month. Yay. (laughs) And then how far, like, what's your proximity for your delivery, Mm -hmm. for the delivery meals? The meal service is regional, um, so it's zip code based. It's basically, like, how how far away we can ship things and they'll still stay cold. Mm. Um, So we can get as far north as Chicago. We can do northern Alabama. We can hit some of West Virginia, um, but we do have an option. So if you go to the website and you put in your zip code, it'll tell you if you can get the full meal service. If you're out of the range, we have an option for our recipes. So even if you're in you know, California or Maine, you can still get the same recipes. And we actually send all the little spice blends with them. That was something we heard so often was people didn't want to go buy all these spices. So that's really easy for us to stick in an envelope with the recipes and get those all over the country. So we've sort of circumnavigated this, but what Mm -hmm. does your diet look like? What is your, what are your (laughs) um, favorite dishes and how do you cook at home for yourself? Um, Well, we do, it's a big mix. Um, The food truck is that, you know, healthy junk food um, that we love to indulge in you know, maybe on the weekends or whatnot. But during the week, we're testing meals for the meal service. So it's all of the recipes are things that we've created. So I spend a lot of time during the week writing recipes, and then we have to test them at home um, to make sure, you know, they're delicious enough to send out to other people. And the meal service is very health food focused. So we do lots of grains, lots of, lots of veggies, um, quinoa, lentils, rice, all sorts of stuff like that. And, you know, whatever produce is in season, we like to send a lot of that. Um, so we're cooking some pretty fresh, healthy stuff during the week and then maybe the healthy junk food on the weekends. But I'd say my favorite dish right now, there's one that's going to be in the meal service maybe next week. We did um, a whole grain pasta. We did shells. And we used our cashew cheese, but we mixed in some pumpkin puree for the fall. Mm. And the flavor was just great. So I'm really excited to see what people think about that one. Mm, that's, oh, so it's seasonal. Mm-hmm. And basically, 
anybody who's listening to this can get some of that V-Grits love, oh, right? Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> and how will people, how can people check you guys out? If you guys are digging on V-Grits, like where can they check you out? We do a lot of social media. Um, you can follow us on Facebook. We have a blog where we talk about all things vegan, whether it's health or cosmetics or food. Um, and we do a lot on Instagram too. So if you just want to look at delicious food pictures all day, then you can get in on that. <laughs> Perfect. And if you want to know where the truck is going to be. Yes. We always post on Facebook. Vgrits.com is sort of for the meal service and the product line. But then we have vgritsfoodtruck.com, which will tell you our schedule for the food truck. All right. Awesome. I think that's it. Anything else? Did we do it? I think we did it. Thank you so much for having oh, me. Oh, Casino, it was such a pleasure. <laughs> yeah, such a great connection. Thank you so Yay. much. Thank you. Thank you for everything that you're doing and the future of this company and just stay in flow because it's like it's just gonna keep coming. It's yeah. just gonna keep coming and then you're just the you're just the messenger. Yes, we try. I think it's great <laughs> what you guys are doing. I mean, you get to travel the country and kind of give people a voice and expose them to the rest of the world. Yeah, this, and let me tell you, none of this was planned. <laughs> awesome. That was awesome. Love her story. Do you guys? Let us know how this episode has hit you. Besides, of course, wanting to dip a big fat pretzel into some of Vigrets's nut cheese, I love that we can all get in on the Vigrets love through the delivery service, whether that's the actual food or the recipes and spices such a brilliant solution. I did do some checking and the online store isn't up quite yet, but we'll let you guys know when that is so we can all get in on Christina's vegan delights. We're just so excited for all of our plant-based Ironman Louisville listeners who can now enjoy some Southern Fried Compassion from the Vigrits Cafe. Thanks again for tuning in, sharing the podcast, donating through Patreon, using the Amazon banner ad, and sending us your feedback on how the podcast is helping you make more conscious choices in your life. We love you all. And we are so honored to be the messenger for these stories. So we'll catch up with you guys next week. In the meantime, ride the high vibe. Do this so that you can be awake and ready to see the magical opportunities in your life.